You are listening to the Long Hollow Podcast. For more information on Long Hollow or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.longhollow.com. This morning, I want to I start by asking a very random question. So y'all just hold on. I love that you are chuckling. But it's a serious question, okay? So just, just the random question is this. Have you ever taken the time... Maybe it's not that serious. Have you ever taken the time just to look at how much money lays on the ground when you're walking places? Anybody, anybody do this? I think, I just like, I'm walking around, I'm going, do people have that many holes in their pockets or are they just that like, they can't get it? I don't understand. But it makes me wonder, like there's this many coins, but then there's the other question, no judgment here, uh, but there's even more people that don't pick the money up. I don't understand that. Like if I see a penny on the ground, all right? However much money it's worth, I don't really care. If it's, a, if it's money on the ground, I'm picking it up because a penny today is a dollar tomorrow. Anybody feel me? Like that's, that's just where I'm at. But I walk by and I've just noticed uh, how much money is on the ground. Now, I think we would all agree that, uh, that if it's a $20 bill, all of us are going to stop and pick it up. At least I would hope so. Uh, if not, that's on you. That's not on me. But I'm going to pick it up and thank you so much. All right. But I think, I wonder why people choose not to pick it up. Now in college, uh, when I was getting ready to go get ready for a game, uh, I would walk by and if a penny was on heads, I'm picking it up for sure. If it's not, I'm gonna avoid it for that day, but I'll probably go back after the game, depending on how I did, uh, and pick it up, right? But the reason I would pick it up if it's on heads is because the value of that penny, the value of that coin, whatever it may be, has changed in my mind, right? And maybe you're the, the, I mean, maybe you're the person that walks by the money, and you're going, it's just one cent, right? It's just, it's, it's not worth very much. Well, let me just, let me throw this at you real quick. What if I told you that that penny could potentially be worth $25,000? What? Uh, yeah, so a couple years ago, and disclaimer, if you're a, a coin person in here and you study this stuff, please don't email me. I shared this one time and somebody met me at the front and was like, let me just tell you uh, exactly what that penny is. I don't, I don't, no offense, I don't care, but just go with me. All right, no, that really happened by the way. True story, they said your entire illustration was horrible. I'm like, you're horrible, it's okay. Um, and then I laid hands on him and he got saved. But so here's what happened, all right. So at night, all right, 9.30, we're losing it already, people. In 1955, in Philadelphia, there was a mint. A mint, for people like me that don't understand this stuff, is a printing press for money. There you go. In 1955, in Philadelphia, uh, there were printing coins, or printing pennies specifically. All right, so it's going through. What happens is it, it's, it, they have these dyes that print the, the copper, and they embed whatever the image is going to be. And then there's a second one, and it does it. So it stamps it twice. Well, it went through the first time. Everything was good. The second time, it was off just a fraction, causing it to be what they call double dyed, meaning this. Abe's forehead was a little bit larger than it should be. Uh, the 1955 was doubled. The In Liberty We Trust was doubled. You can see it right here on the screen. That is a 1955 double dye penny that sold in auction for $25,000. Now, whoever that guy is, God bless you. I, there, I, it's still a penny to me, okay? It's one cent, all right? But the difference in me, right, right now saying it's only one penny and the person that paid that much money is the lens in which he views the worth of that penny. Which causes the question, what brings something worth? What brings something value? Well, this morning, we're going to look that not only can we, you and I, see our value in Christ alone, my hope and my prayer is that because of that, then we can help other people see that their worth and their value is found in Christ alone as well. 
You know, bringing up, uh, going up in Eastern Arkansas, I remember uh, we, we did wholesale and we did retail and uh, I was around automotive and, and ATVs and motorcycles my entire life. And I remember back in the day before KBB was online uh, or there wasn't online, I don't remember at this point, but I remember my dad would always carry around this little black book. Maybe, maybe some of you automotive guys remember this black book. And what you would do is, it was called Kelly Blue Book, but it was black. I never understood that. Anyways, fun fact. So he would, he would pull out that book and somebody would be like, hey, I've got a vehicle that I want to sell. Will you tell me the worth of that vehicle? He goes, absolutely. There was the blue black book. He pulled it out. And based upon the year, the make, the model, the mileage, hours, whatever, he would begin to tell them, hey, this book tells you that your vehicle is worth this. And then the age old rule of thumb is it's only worth as much as somebody is willing to what? Pay, right? You list it on eBay for 10 grand, somebody gives you five, sorry, it's $5,000. Well, this morning, not only uh, are we going to pull out a Kelly Blue book, we're going to pull out the real book. And in this book, it's going to tell you uh, what your worth and your value is. But also in this book, it's going to tell you how much somebody was willing to pay. So our first point, I want you to write this down, is this, that our value is found in God's word. Our value is found in God's word. And what I want to do is I want to take you, I'm going to give you some foundation. So don't check out on me. I think the sad thing about church is this, is, uh, is we grow up in church and then things like this, stuff that we, maybe we've heard before, we, we check out as if it has no implication or application for us. So I'm going to ask that you would step into Sunday school for a moment. If you didn't grow up in church, this is great as well. But here's what I want to do. In the, in the beginning of, of God's word, you'll see an index, an index or a table of context. I don't even know what it's called at this point. Uh, it tells you exactly where to go. My dad did not grow up in church and my wife did not grow up in church. And so there's no shame in the game if you don't know where to turn in, in the Bible, okay? Utilize this. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna turn to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, we're gonna start here as a foundational text, a foundational passage, and I believe it's important for us to know. I'm gonna give you tools this morning because maybe you're in here and you're struggling with your worth and your identity. Or maybe you're in a season right now where you are surrounded by people that just are struggling with figuring out or finding their purpose in life. I'm gonna give you some tools through God's word, not my opinion, on how to lead yourself or to lead others. So Genesis 1-1, I like to say, if you're there, say, yeah. yeah. But this morning, the eight o'clock was like, uh, no, we're supposed to say word. So if whatever you wanna say on the count of three, if you're there, say whatever, one, two, three. Word, word yeah, here we go. So Genesis 1-1, very first verse in scripture says this, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And then it goes on to say, in the beginning, God created. Now, I would love for you to underline that. I realized this later on in life that I can actually write in my Bible and not go to hell. Uh, you can do that. You can underline it. You can circle it. But I want you to, because remember, this is a tool for you. I want you to go back to this. In the beginning, God created. And then it goes on to explain all that he created, right? And I love this part. In the beginning, God, he spoke the universe into existence. Isn't that amazing? So he created the universe. The, we look through a telescope and we can see that there are, there are, there are, there are planets. He began to speak and there were, there were stars spoken. And it's amazing because then he, we, we span out and you can see that there's a world that you and I live on that God literally spoke in the beginning, God created. But then if you dive down and we live and we get to see these things, I love to travel and I love to see things. And my hope is to be able to go to a place like Alaska and Ireland and all these places so I can see the beauty of God. So he created uh, the, the oceans. He created the waters, the crystal clear blue waters. He created the sky. He created the, the, the fish in those waters. He created the birds in that sky. In the beginning, God created everything. 
And he said, it was good, right? We know that. But then he goes in to say this, and this is what I love. In the beginning, God created all of that. But then it says that he created you and me. He created you and me, male and female. And then he goes on to say that it was what? Very good. He took the time to let you and I know that he didn't just create us. There was a purpose behind it in which he created us. In the beginning, God created you. And if you, to prove that to you, turn to Psalm 139 for me. Psalm 139, right in the middle of your Bible, or again, go to the beginning and look for it. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 is where we're gonna land. Because I think it's important for us to understand that in the beginning, God created everything, you and me, but it is not by mistake that you are who you are this morning. It is not by mistake that you look the way you look. You are the way you are. Your personality is beautiful and amazing. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. What matters is what this word says. Remember, your value is found in what? Christ alone. And this book tells you, Psalm 139, 13 says this. It says, for it was you who created my inward parts. You, meaning in the beginning, who? God. It was God. It was you who created my inward parts. You, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. Wow. Like, can you see the, how intricate that sounds? Like, it wasn't just by like happenstance that you are who you are. God took the time to knit you together. Now, this verse came to life more than ever um, three and a half years ago. Last time I spoke, I got to share with you my wife and I's infertility journey and our struggle to have kids. And, and when I read this verse now, it, it's just really special to me. Because here's the, here's the reality. I remember uh, walking into the doctor's office. We were getting ready for an IVF treatment. And I walked in and the doctor said, hey, dad, do you want to see your, your uh, daughter now? But uh, do you want to see your child? I was like, yeah. I mean, how do I do that? You know? And I remember walking over in, and I, and I got to look through this microscope. And I got to see my daughter uh, through a microscope for the very first time as a speck of dust. It was amazing. And I want to show you a picture of it because I think it's very special. So the, the, top, the top picture... Uh, shout out to Kate Michelson for the celebratory picture. Uh, but you see the, really, the little bitty square at the top? Do y'all see that? that? That's the embryo. That was my daughter. And I saw that through a microscope. And then they, they, they explained to me what they're going to do is they're going to take this, this syringe and they're going to basically suck that, that little speck of dust into that. And they're going to take it and they're going to walk it over to uh, my wife, Amy. And I remember telling the doctor, don't you drop my kid. Don't you drop that kid. Anyways, and then I, and then I saw... I saw I saw on a screen, y'all, it was amazing. He goes, all right, dad, watch this. It's gonna be, this, this puff of air and a speck of dust is gonna fall. And I watch it go, didn't make that noise. That's what it went in my head. And uh, I don't know if your kid can fly, but mine can, all right? And so she just, I mean, it was amazing. And then I watched God. What y'all normally see is that second picture up there, that embryo, or that, uh, that embryo turned into an ultrasound. And you can see that little nugget, look at a little peanut. She was so sweet in there. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Dang kid, don't sleep still. I told that story last time I preached. She still ain't sleeping. But anyway, so then I saw that. Yo, I saw God. In the beginning, God created you and me, and he knit us together. And then I saw the Lord knit my beautiful daughter, Willow Joy, into what today is a ball of energy and fun and excitement. And this picture is so good to represent her because she is on the move nonstop. And as crazy as that little thing is, she is special. 
But see, it's easy for her daddy to tell you that he, she's special because that's what daddies do. She's not special because daddy says she's special. She's special. You are special because our father in heaven knitted you together uniquely and wonderfully you. And I think somebody needs to hear that this morning. So what's our response to this recognition that you and I were knit together? I love the psalmist in verse 14. Therefore, I praise you. He says, I praise you. Why do I praise God? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, God, your works are what? Wonderful. They're wonderful because you and I are God's handiwork. Did you know that? Like we are his masterpiece. He took the time to create us. You know, it talks about in the potter's hand. He knit you together. He created you. Therefore, we praise him. Listen to me. Maybe you're in here this morning and and this is hard for you because you just don't understand the ways of God. Our church family has walked through a very difficult last week and a half, two weeks, right? Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Maybe you're in here this morning and the world keeps telling you things that just simply isn't true, but you're believing the lie. And for some reason this morning, thoughts of, of suicide or thoughts of just, if it would be better if I was, or whatever it is, maybe this morning God's telling you, no, 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 stop and recognize. Not that Will's telling you so, but my word says that your value, listen to me, is found in Christ and Christ alone. It's not by mistake that you are who you are You fulfill a specific purpose. If you were a mistake, then God wouldn't be God. He doesn't make mistakes. There's a lot of people, my wife works in the anesthesia field. There's a lot of people that can do anesthesia, but nobody can do it the way she does it. There's lots of teachers. My brother is a superintendent in Arkansas. Nobody can do it the way he does it. There's, There's twins that look exactly alike, but nobody can live the life that each of them are going to live. The same is true of you. God took the time to knit you together in your mother's womb. Therefore, you praise him because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It is important for you to recognize that because your value is found in Christ alone. So much so, God loves you so much that he willingly stepped out of heaven. I I can't wrap my mind around this. Have you ever just really stopped to think about the fact that that holy God that we were singing to earlier took the time to step out of heaven onto earth so that he could come on a rescue mission to save each and every one of us. Because even though that he took the time to create us, we oppose him at times, right? We We wanna turn from him. We wanna walk away from him. And he said, no, 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 I understand that, but you don't have the power to save yourself, so I'm gonna send my one and only son. John 3, 16, right? We know it. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son on a rescue mission, and it's amazing to me that it wasn't like, all right, you gotta go. Jesus willingly said yes. So you wanna know what your worth is this morning. You wanna know what your value is this morning. This book, this, this word of God says that Jesus was willing to die for you. And can I just be honest this morning? The world will tell you all sorts of ways to find your identity and your worth and your value but the world will never say it's willing to die for you. You're chasing a career right now, and it may be great, you may be providing for your family, but let me tell you something, your career, your job won't die for you. It may kill you in the process. Your social status, you know, this is really relevant for students, but it's for everybody, because I see some crazy moms and dads live on social media. Trust me, I get those messages at 12 a.m. in the morning. 
But as much as your social status and those double taps you might get, get, listen to me, your social status will never die for you. Your sport, I played baseball till I was 21 years old and guess what? It came to an end and that sport was never willing to die for me. And even here in this last year, in 2022, I had to face the reality that for the last decade at Long Hollow, my identity has been wrapped up in my job as a pastor. And my family, it came at the, at the expense of my family. And as much as I love ministry and as much as I love this church and as much as I love you, I highly doubt that ministry or any of you are gonna lay your life down for me. So even the fact that ministry is not gonna lay down its life, which leads me to my second point. The second point I wanna give you today is God's word shows us how much somebody was willing to pay. See, the Bible, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible is a love story of God buying back what was already his. In the beginning, God created all things. He created you and I, male and female, so that we could recognize that he knit us together for a specific purpose. Therefore, we can praise him. But what happened was we didn't acknowledge him. We didn't thank him. We didn't praise him for the mission that he came. And what happened is we let sin into our lives. And because of that sin, we are separated from that God that came on a rescue mission. We are separated from that God that said, hey, I am willing to lay down my life for you. And if Jesus doesn't come, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in that, believes in him, steps into that relationship, shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Let me explain to you really quickly what that looked like. Again, I'm gonna give you some tools and some resources. Philippians 2, 8. Philippians 2, 8, encouraging word this morning. It says he humbled himself, he being Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the Father, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, for your sake this morning, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Why though? So that in him we might have, or we might become the righteousness of sin. And then 1 Corinthians 7.23, I love this. Want to know what your worth is this morning? It says, you have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. How amazing is that? What was paid for you? How much was somebody willing to pay? Christ paid for you with his life. You know, I mentioned in the first service, the identity and the weight of the world you know, I think it's important for us this morning to understand that our value is found in Christ alone because if we're not careful, we'll place our identity or our misconception of who we really are onto other people. And in student ministry world, I see this all the time by parents placing that identity upon their children. And I've seen it in real life. And what happens is because the things that you wanted to become in life that you weren't able to, regardless of how that happened or why that happened, you go, well, well maybe then, then my son or my daughter will live out what I never could. Or you, you just, you, you hurt for your child, so then you place an expectation or an identity that you want them to be on them and they never ask for it in the first place. A lot of times we use sports as that example, but I wanna give you a, a real life example of popularity for a second. Because all of us, regardless of age, you may be 80 in here, you may be four in here. All of us at some point in our life fight the struggle of wanting to be known. And I remember there's a young lady when she was in middle school um, she was bullied. Uh, she wasn't the quote unquote popular kid. And it, it was a struggle. I remember spending a lot of time with her and her mom and just praying with her and helping her. Very active in middle school. One of the hardest things for me as a student pastor is watching kids go from eighth grade to ninth grade. 
It's just the weight of the world and, and, and the age, it just, it, it just it consumes them. And who they once were becomes who they, they never even wanted to be in the future. But all because of what the world says who they should be. Well, this mom, I remember her getting into ninth grade and, and she kind of disappeared. So I remember reaching out and going, hey, we hadn't seen her in a while. What's going on? And this is what her mother told me. She said, Will, I really want her to be the popular kid. I'm tired of dealing with all the, the junk that she's walking through. I want her to become the popular kid. So I've enrolled her into cheerleading. She's going to be a cheerleader, uh, which means she's probably you're not going to see her very much anymore um, because they practice on Wednesdays or whatever the case is. A lot of, a lot of sports practice on Wednesdays. Thank God uh, for that. That's awesome. Um, but what happens is you rob students from a, a, a regular connection point. Um, and so she goes, you're not going to see her for a while. And her, her mom told me this. I want her to be the popular cheerleader in school. And I remember telling her, no judgment, but I remember telling her, I said, okay, but I would just, I'd just be mindful, be careful, because what can happen is that can begin to become her identity and who she is, and it will rob her of her spiritual life. Fast forward, she's a sophomore in college now, and um, she has no desire to follow Jesus. She became everything that she hated about the people that treated her. She became the popular kid that bullied other kids. She was a kid that was uh, causing other girls to, um, to quit, all these things, and all because her mom placed an identity that she wanted for her daughter. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning or where that lands with you, but we can't put any expectation on life or identity on, in life other than your value is found in Christ alone. Your value is found, and I hope to goodness that I'm pointing my daughter not to be the next best thing in life, but be the most humble servant of the one true king. I could care less if people know my daughter's name in the future, but I hope to goodness that the, that the Lord of the universe, the one that we sing holy, 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 knows her name. If you can give anything to your family, anything to your wife, anything to your daughter, anything to your kid, anything to your grandchildren, is this, is that their value is found in Christ alone. And do not dare give them your opinion. You sit them down and you say, let me tell you why I believe that is true, because this book tells me so. And I can show you in the beginning, God created, let me tell you, I know you're doubting right now, but let me just point you to scripture really quickly. Hey, sweetie, your value is found in the beginning. God created all things and you are special to him. And, and, and then you go to Psalm 139 and you go, and here's how I know that. It's because he knit you together. We're not giving people opinion. We're giving people truth. In the beginning, God created you and I for a specific purpose, to fulfill the purpose that only you and I can fulfill individually. But we have to recognize the fact that Jesus did come on a rescue mission. And maybe right now you've got so many questions to life that just never seem to get answered. And I understand, I understand life gets hard and life gets tough and there's a lot of anxieties and there's a lot of depression. I've walked through it. 2022 wound up being significantly different than I ever thought it would be. But it wasn't until God took me through a five week journey to strip me of everything that I thought was important to put the most important things back in front of me. Will, your identity is not in your job. Your identity is in me. And you need that because you are robbing your wife and your daughter of who I've created you to be as their father and their husband. But it had, I had to go back to recognizing 
that Jesus had to be the most important thing to me and that he died for me. He died for that anxiety. He died for that depression that I was in. He died for me robbing my family because of my job. Maybe this morning he's speaking to you in a very unique and specific way. Again, maybe this is for you, but maybe it's also so that you can take this and you can share that with somebody that needs it this morning. You've been struggling with the words to give to somebody, give them God's word. What I'd like for us to do right now in this moment, and I like to do this not because it's the Baptist thing to do, but because I personally have to eliminate distractions in my life. So I'm gonna ask if everybody would just eliminate the distraction by just, just, just bow your head with me and close your eyes just for a second. Here's the reason I have you do that. It's because you may be a dad in here and you're so worried right now. The guy, I mean, your heart's beating so fast because something's hit you. But all you can think about is, is who's to your left or to your right or who may be behind you. So right now you close your eyes and you bow your head because now it's just between you and the Lord. And I believe this morning that the Lord wants to speak a specific word to a specific person to let you know that you are so valuable to him. It doesn't matter how far you've ran it doesn't matter how much you've denied him. My wife was an atheist until so she was 26 years old and God radically saved her life in the middle of her apartment by herself. He can save you this morning. God wants you to know that he died so that you can no longer be a slave to this world, but you are an incredible value to him. But you can only see yourself in this way if you trust Jesus in his word. Today, Jesus wants you, to know, wants you to turn to him and he wants you to rest in him. Jesus wants you to begin to live a life that follows him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that you in this moment may step into a love relationship, not a destinational relationship, but a love relationship with him to follow him all your days. So I wanna ask you a very important question. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? The most important question anybody could ever ask. Listen, I didn't say, has there been a moment where you've walked an aisle, where you've prayed a prayer that you know deep down you never meant? I didn't say, have you been baptized? I'm asking you a very specific question. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you've surrendered to Jesus and you've asked him to be the Lord? So that's the most important question somebody can ask but one of the greatest questions anyone could ever answer or ask is this, how can I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Maybe that's you right now and you're, you're going, well, how do I do this? What does that even look like? It's simply realizing that you're a sinner and because of that sin, you've fallen short of God's perfection and God's grace and his, his purpose in life. Remember, God sent Jesus on a rescue mission so that he could fill the gap between your sin and his father. Jesus laid down his life, took on that, for, that sin so he could offer forgiveness. So you realize that you're a sinner and that Jesus is the only one that can forgive you of your sins. And then the response is you ask Christ to step into your life and you commit your life to him. You're not committing a life of perfection. You're not committing a life of never making a mistake. You're committing a life to follow him in a relationship with Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you this morning if that's you, in the quietness of your own heart or you can speak it out loud if you choose. If that's you, I want to ask that you would just, just pray this prayer with me. There's nothing special about it. It's just you acknowledging the conversation you and God are having right now. Dear Jesus, repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. 
Today I turn my back on my sins and I choose to follow you. I promise to never be the same again. I give my life to you, Jesus. I give you my everything. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me this morning. So right now in this moment, we've still got our eyes closed and our heads bowed. I just want to ask this really quickly. If you said that prayer this morning, would you do me a huge favor? Would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Thank you so much all over the room. Thank God. Raise it high so I can see you. You're saying, Will, I said that prayer and I want a relationship with Jesus all over. Remember, nobody's looking around. It's just between you, me, and the Lord right now. If that's you, I thank God for you raising your hand. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna draw this out, but if, if that's you, would you do me a favor? Would you just stand right where you are? Nobody's looking around. It's between you, me, and the Lord. If you raise your hand and say, well, I want, a, I want a relationship with Jesus this morning. I raise my hand. I'm gonna stand acknowledging, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is the moment where it gets really weird and awkward because you raise your hand acknowledging that you need Jesus, but then when I ask you to stand, it's really hard. It's hard to stand in a room because of the distraction, but remember, I've eliminated the distraction. Everybody's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. This is between you. Pastor says all the time that if you are unable and unwilling to stand for Jesus in this moment, how in the world are we gonna stand for Jesus out there? That's not manipulation, that's this truth. Thank you so much. So here's what I would love to do, thank you so much. At any moment, if that's you, you can stand, but if you're standing right now, I wanna ask a question. Are you standing, you can look up here at me, are you standing because you want a relationship with Jesus? Is that why you're standing? Is that why you're standing? Is that why you're standing? Is that why you are standing? Make sure I don't miss anybody. Is that why you're standing? You want a relationship with Jesus? Is that why you're standing? Amen. Is that why you're standing? Amen. Is that why you're standing? Amen. Right here? Amen. Is that why you're standing? I praise God for you this morning. I praise God. We prayed for you specifically. So what I would love to do, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna gonna pray over you, but then we're all gonna stand and we're all gonna sing and it's gonna be very easy. I'm gonna make it easy because everybody, you're not gonna be standing out in front of anybody. Everybody's gonna stand in a moment. But if you're standing, the next step is this. And the reason is the last thing that I wanna do is to lead you to an opportunity to step into that relationship and say, good luck, go get them. No, 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 no. We want to disciple you. We want to walk alongside you. We want to pray with you. And so when I, when I begin to pray, you begin to move. Everybody's going to stand in a second. When I pray, all you have to do is make your way down to my left right here at the front. I'm going to meet you right here. I'm personally going to meet you right here. And we'll give you time. So when I pray, you move. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for salvation this morning. God, we thank you for the fact that your word does not return void, that you show us that our worth and our value is in you and you alone, that nobody can put any judgment on us, nobody can cast any expectation on us, nobody can cast anything other than the truth this morning that you love us so much that you walked out of heaven onto earth to die for us in this moment. So Jesus, we celebrate this fact. We celebrate your truth. We celebrate your son, Jesus. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.